It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, presented by Weed Sellers, WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, we continue with the path to the draft. We're counting down from 32 to number one. Up today is number 26, the Cleveland Browns. And funny enough, it doesn't feel like the Raiders and the Browns are separated by that much. In fact, the Raiders took out the Browns a year ago, but the Browns are actually a squad that doesn't have a a ton of glaring needs going into the draft. So let's bring in Anthony Lima, the fan in Cleveland. Anthony, we'll get to the Browns here in a second. Your Syracuse Orange have advanced to the Sweet 16. I've been whining about it all day with my Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who should have been the matchup in the Sweet 16 against Cuse. So let's do this. Before we get to the Browns, I will say you're one of the few broadcasters from Syracuse that I can actually tolerate. I hate most of them, too. So I understand that. I fully understand that. And, of course, uh, social media was dominated yesterday. By a lot of pretentious uh, Syracuse alum that uh, happen to have every great job in sports broadcasting. Yes. How many times uh, do you think people out there were thinking that that was Jim Beheim's grandson or great-grandson that was scoring (laughs) buckets for Syracuse? Yeah, you know, what is the deal with Beheim and the marriage over the years? That was his second wife, right, that he had Buddy with? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the last time I saw him, he was like nine years old. And I just remember a few (laughs) years ago asking uh, one of the coaches around that area where he's from, yeah. like, hey, does he have any shot to really play at Syracuse? And they're like, no, no, probably end up at Colgate <laughs> or something like that. Meanwhile, the kid is making NBA-level shots the first two games of the tournament. It's crazy. He's a pretty good player. All right, let's talk Browns in the offseason. So what has free agency been like so far? I guess they didn't have a whole lot of room in terms of uh, being cap-friendly, but they did land one big fish. Well, everybody's giving them, all the nerds, I should say, are giving them high grades. They're all getting A's. They're basically getting guys that are pro football focused, rated as high as anybody. They're getting them for team-friendly deals, which always makes me think these players need to fire their agents. You know, the analysts are saying you sent a team-friendly deal. Who the hell would ever want to sign a team-friendly deal uh, if you're a player and this is your chance to strike it big in free agency? But uh, the big move, and, and, you know, they signed a pair of Rams, but the big move was John Johnson in the safety. They absolutely needed help in the safety. The safety was a disaster last year. Part of it was uh, because he had a season-ending, career-threatening injury to Greedy Williams, who was a high draft pick out of LSU. And uh, Grant Delpit uh, was another guy who went down in training camp and wasn't able to play last season. And I think these moves not only shore up a lot of that in the secondary, but uh, the purpose is that they probably don't know. Those are huge question marks about whether those other guys that they drafted high are going to be able to play and be significant role players in the secondary. So they're getting high grades for those those signings and taking them from a really good team and what was a really good concept the last few years with the Rams. It looks like the, they wanted to concentrate, at least on rolling the dice, some cheap options on the defensive line. I'm a little miffed here. This is where I don't give them an A and A-plus like everybody else in Cleveland and a lot of the analytics people around the country. I gave them a B plus because they went after J.J. Watt. They struck out with those guys, and so they they basically went down the list, uh, way down the list. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't understand. Like, if I'm supposed to give them an A, they would have landed those guys. Now I can't. I can't give them the greatest grade because their pass rush was a weakness last year, despite the fact they have Miles Garrett, and that's all they had was Miles Garrett. And Olivier Vernon surged at the end of the year, uh, but then he suffered a, a terrible ACL injury because of that. I think their pass rush is probably just as bad, if not a little worse right now. There's still time for agency. But, look, it's great that they shored up the secondary. But if you can't get to Patrick Mahomes, 
uh, like you saw in the Super Bowl or Josh Allen or any of the 10 great quarterbacks that seem to be in the AFC all of a sudden. I don't know that I can give you the greatest grade for agency when you did have enough money to go after J.J. Watt. You just didn't land him. It's the path to the draft on a Monday. The Browns are up. Anthony Lima is with us from the fan in Cleveland. So let's get into the draft. We can talk about some positions of need here in just a second. What is going to happen for the draft? Because we're still in this weird zone of uncertainty if we can actually be around each other. You know, I was kind of devastated, as many Clevelanders were, when all this stuff was uh, coming down with the draft. The NFL kept saying they were going to have the draft. It was going to be fine, but we didn't know any of the details. You remember last year they were going to do it, but it was going to be at a dramatically reduced capacity. Uh, some of the news that came out today is a lot more inspiring. It's a lot more optimistic. The the shrinking numbers when it comes to the pandemic, uh, not just in Cleveland, but all, you know around the country, I think the NFL is full speed ahead like they typically do. Uh, but it will not be the event you saw in Nashville. It won't be the event you saw in Chicago or Philadelphia. You're not going to have hundreds of thousands of people, and they are incentivizing, uh, making sure that people get vaccines to be able to get the VIP treatment around the draft. So they are all systems go, but it's not exactly going to look like the drafts that we had seen uh, those those prior three to four years before last year's virtual draft. If I was Cleveland and I had any leverage whatsoever, and maybe they didn't, I would have punted this draft. So I think that was a huge mistake, unless maybe the NFL told them, no, this is your one shot. We're not coming <laughs> no. back to Cleveland. It, this whole thing was supposed to be a dual city setup between Canton, where the Hall of Fame is, and Cleveland, which is about an hour in between. The NFL scrapped that because the facilities weren't ready uh, like they thought they would. And unfortunately, Cleveland's going to have a minimized version of what uh, the draft typically is. Anthony Lima with us. We're talking Browns. We're talking Browns draft. So needs in the draft. It can't be defensive backfield now. Uh, do they still need defensive linemen? What else do they need? Yeah, Steve, they, they, they're going to have to go uh, address the defensive line. Defensive line was okay. a weakness last year. They lose Olivier Vernon with the injury in January to the ACL. You didn't have depth to begin with, so they need to continue to fortify that, and I look for them to do that. I think they'll also take a wide receiver, potential wide receivers. They do have Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, in there. They re-signed Rashard Higgins in free agency. They obviously have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, but Odell has not been able to stay healthy. I think in four of his last five years, he's had injuries, and he has uh, been a shell of what Odell Beckham, uh, when you think of Odell and what he was with the Giants, uh, he's been a shell of that. All right, there he is with the Browns' path to the draft. Anthony Lima, at Sportsboy Tony, up on Twitter. We'll see you, pal. All right, buddy. See you. Anthony Lima in Cleveland. Ohio State is out of the tournament. We'll see uh, who else gets bounced tonight as we'll bring in JVT in about 15 minutes and get picks for the remaining three tips of the evening. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Some ambiance here today at Bar Canada. We're uh, here generally for hockey games. On Mondays, we got a VGK game tonight against the Blues, but you can hear the uh, the sound blasting. They got it all over the place at Bar Canada. Fabulous spot, basically a mini version of the Long Bar. It's tremendous. Got drink specials on Coors Light and Heineken. You can get a special collector's VGK cup, also pitcher specials. So get on down here. I'll be here until 8 o'clock. We got some T-shirts to give away. Good spot. Good spot for sports, and we'll be watching the NCAA tournament. 1914 LSU is on top of Michigan. That's eight seed against one seed. 
Uh, UCLA rolled against Abilene Christian, so they've moved on. We had a report a little while ago, something about Thad Matta. Remember that name? Yeah. And Indiana. So what happened here? So there's a report that came out that Indiana and Thad Matta agreed to a deal for Thad Matta to be the next head coach in Indiana. Okay. In that Thad Matta failed a physical, and then the deal fell through. Yeah, I thought and it was interesting. Dan Walken, who writes for USA Today, he's a pretty good writer, but he's you know he's pretty cynical. He he retweeted. He was like, "What? Yeah, didn't make sense to him. Doesn't make sense to anybody. Apparently, uh, there's been immediate backlash from Indiana." Uh, Walken saying, said, "Yeah, that one just doesn't ring true to me." Uh, then he followed up by saying, "Listen, maybe my comment isn't clear enough, but I, you know I didn't mean to." Oh no, he said maybe it wasn't clear enough, but my comment was meant cast uh, was meant to cast doubt on this. I've never heard of a physical as a requirement. We know, and I hope the guy's okay. We know from a couple of years ago there was someone connected to UNLV who told like 15 media members that Thad Matter was going to be the next head coach before Otzelberger was named. About nine people, uh, mostly based on the internet and other local radio shows, ran with Thad Matter. We started getting tweets and and response like. Why are you guys even talking about a coaching search? It's over. It's done. Like, <laughs> it's not, and it's not that matter. So is there something going on here, like, with regard to that? I thought, didn't he have to get involved in certain coaching searches to continue to get his buyout money from Ohio State? I thought that ended. Yeah, I thought it did, too. So it's weird that this is going on. But yeah, so the, what the hell's happened? The, prob- the thing was before that there was a stipulation in his buyout that he had to continue to, to be actively involved in trying to get a job. Wow. And so that was why everybody was... You know, throwing his, his his people were throwing his name out there, making it look like he was involved, and he's like he's real close to every single job that's available. No, he's not. He's collecting his buyout and he's uh, fulfilling the obligations that are that are Man. in that buyout. Uh, but this I mean, is the, weird. Indi- the Indy Star, Indiana, did not have an agreement with Thad Matta, Thad Matta to become the next Hoosiers head coach. It's the same thing all over again. It's even worse. It's insane. It, like, Why, some- how could you float this? They trying to make IU look bad. What is this? I have no is idea. Is this IU people who are like, hey, go get them? Maybe, but it seems like... they not going to work? Because at first, to me, the agreement to be the next co- head coach is the kind of thing that would come from the Thad Mata camp. But I don't think they would float out there that he failed a physical if, uh. they, if they were trying to make him look good. So I don't know where this would have come from. I, I'm not sure who would have put this out there, but this is one of those stories, and, and we talked about this last week, um, with you know, or with our report in the RJ that TJ Otzelberger had you know had already agreed to the Iowa State job and it was only a matter of time before he took it. Like when you put a story like that out, what you're do- what you're waiting for is like thirty seconds later, your phone to start ringing, and your texts to start coming in of you're wrong, you're wrong, this is not true, this didn't happen. What are you talking about? And with that story, that never happened. With us. because it was true, right? With us going bye bye. Now with and, this- and we we had told you that that day that you guys had it. Like, within hours, we confirmed that the the assistant coaches had been told. At least some of them were. I think they were told at different times. But we... UNLV assistants had been told he's leaving. What I'm getting at, though, is nothing ever came because it was true. With this Stadmata story, it looks like every single college basketball reporter that I follow on Twitter was immediately contacted to say, this is not a true story. Don't run with this. It's not true. And so this appears to be a case where somebody floated something out there and somebody reported it. Uh, it sounds like it was the Indiana Rivals site reported it. Oh boy! And uh, and now it's immediately being shot down by all corners. So it doesn't doesn't appear that this is going to be the case. Hmm. 
Adam is very intense. LSU up uh, 26-19 now. 8-18 left in the first. Could another number one seed from the Big Ten go bye-bye before the Sweet 16? Fun to fun to follow uh, or something fun to foul on three-point shots. It's fun. It's good to do. No, it's not. It's it's not a good decision. No. Um, the sound is on for that game. You are being forced to watch commercials. In a way. Kind of. I feel like this is the only time you watch commercials because the same ones are on on every game during every break. Yeah. Oh, it's over and over again, including will, Scoop there. Well, that, that, that has to be on. That could be on every other commercial. Come on. That's a great one. Sprinkles! In the full one. they got to show the full. They've been, they've been making it a 15. you got to show the full when the daughter walks in and whoever it is, the boyfriend or the husband is like, or son, I don't know Dancing. who he is. Hey, he starts dancing. It's great. I actually read a really, really long piece oh, on no. the commercial this week. Is it scathing or complimentary? No, no, no. It was it kind of, it like dug into like the backgrounds of all the actors, how it came about, nice, um, how the you know the writers and, and how they wrote it and what they wanted and and a lot about tag team actually. Yeah. Of you know the skepticism that some artists have of like oh. being the one hit wonder or like reliving this you know this one hit over and over again. Well, tag team is basically like, listen, it is what it is. We're making yeah. a lot of money off this. We've been making money off it for years, and we're going to keep making money off of it. And uh, and it's cool. And and also, they came in, and apparently the writers wrote it as soup. There it is, and there was lyrics about soup. Ah, uh, that would have been nice. Well, there's a problem with that, in that maybe the writers didn't know. Uh, Justin Timberlake did that sketch on Saturday Night Live. No way. Yeah. And, and the tag team was like, no, 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 this has already been done. We can't do this. And they helped kind of this recraft. so much better. Come on. They helped recraft it into Scoop There It Is with the lyrics about yeah. everything. And then uh, French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. <laughs> that's not the way they do it. Terrible that's, that's, that's my, that's my uh, version. But the, uh, Very Max Kellerman-like with his rap. The sprinkles Scoop, toss. Scoop, there it is. The sprinkles chocolate, toss was an, <laughs> that's good. an absolute ode to LeBron. Oh, okay. With the uh, the powder toss. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that's uh, that's where that came from. Which is nice. there's so many layers to that commercial. It's great. Lots of commercials to review, but the two we're seeing the most. Uh, one, I thought this over the weekend. I love whatever her name is. Uh, what, what's uh, Lily's real name? I can't remember. Yeah, well, Mila Rakonos or yeah. something. Follow, right, I Russian. On Instagram. Right. Um, I feel like they've overextended her. They've got her doing these weird like solo commercials. Can we actually? And then they've also got. Tag team. Um, they should have had tag team in these commercials, but they've also they've got her in commercials with like one other person. I just I feel like it's too much. Hey, I can tell you're a fan, and lucky for you, nothing keeps you connected to March Madness like five G. Five G, huh? Is that fast? Oh yeah, it's fast. And is it reliable? Definitely is. What about secure? Oh yeah, it's secure. Mm, love it. How many of those you got? I don't know. You're very good at whatever this is. You flatter me. It's not complicated. There you go. Um, loses a bit on radio. That was the one all about the foam finger. Lady's got a foam finger for like every question she needs to answer. Sure. But, but there's like a bunch of them where she's talking about uh, the big dance definition. It's just it's not it's not good. She's been overextended. Now here's the thing. I also noticed because I notice I watch commercials all the time. You love commercials. Um, she's a bit beefier, and I was like, is she wearing some extra bulk to reduce her hotness? And then it, I think it has been confirmed by her that she is pregnant. Oh. So that's why she's a little, you know, she's a little meatier. That was my shot arm. I don't know why I just did that. I fully recovered, by the way. Did, did it get sore at all? Uh, yeah, sore arm that night. Uh, I know Ari said it was sore for like four days, so poor Ari. 
But you know, we're all we're all built with a little different toughness gene. Watch the second one; I'll be down for like two weeks. Sick as a dog, just jinxing myself. I, I literally the night it happened, I literally went to bed thinking like. My arm is just done forever. Like my, my arm was is that bad? sore. And then I woke up and I was like, "It's gone." Yeah. Like, well, how did it just go it looked, away? In felt my like sleep? This, this was going to linger for days and days. <laughs> this is so okay, weird. so I, I'm going to say I love Lily. I think the AT uh, check that, beep that. Um, that's a, the vast sound crew usually takes care of the sponsors. Um, so that's it's a solid commercial campaign. I think they're overextending her. Leslie Jones for one of the uh, food delivery companies. First of all, I immediately went to search. Have you watched these commercials? No. All right, fire this. Tonight, I'll be eating loaded tots for March Madness. Thanks, boo. I think you better double them tots. No, this me was last year. I didn't get my madness last year, so we're doing double the madness this year. You are a mess. Everybody was a mess. Whatever, you ready? (laughs) I stay ready, so I don't have to get ready. Double the madness! Double the madness! That was actually two Leslie Jones. There's a pandemic Leslie Jones who's just a nightmare. And I think there's a moment where today's Leslie Jones kind of takes a sniff and she's like, Whew. you know, kind of homebound, uh, you know, beginning of the pandemic when everyone just, you know, let their beard grow and leg hair grow and no showers, all that kind of stuff. Going, I'm going beard grow at the end of the pandemic. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. The, uh, actually, I've been growing this the entire time. This is all I've Wow, it's yeah. actually sad. Yeah, it is pretty sad. Uh, what got me on a search immediately was Leslie Jones wearing a white Colorado State shirt and a green Colorado State shirt. I had no idea she went to CSU. She did? I don't know. I mean, did, did you find the search? Did, did you ever find the search that she actually did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like first thing up. People, I mean, come on. If I, if I, anything I think of on TV that I see is in a regular search on Google or it's on Twitter. It never fails. It's amazing. Any observation. Someone else in the world thought the same thing I did. It's crazy. And, I, and I, I think of weird stuff when I'm watching, especially commercials. Yeah, she, I guess she, she went to CSU. Um, well, why, does it not make sense that CSU wasn't in the tournament? It's a little weird, I know. Like, she's doing a madness. Like, I'm ready for the madness, but you're she's cheering sitting, for a team that's not playing? She's sitting down. Well, uh, you know what? Madness can be the NIT. Eh, not the same thing. I don't think so. The, the NCAA doesn't go crazy if you use NIT Madness. Good for her to, uh, you know, to support her team though to get that in there. Yeah, she's like, if I'm gonna wear a shirt, it's gonna be Colorado State. Absolutely. Okay. Ever see, see a Moby Maniac? I, you know what? I'd have to look that up. I have no <laughs> idea. She's out, she is pitching everybody. She she's thriving in the pandemic. Absolutely, yeah, she is. Yeah, she had all those videos, she's, the news commentary videos. She's completely piled up with Zuckerberg. Supermarket sweep. Yep, supermarket sweep. You hate to say it, don't you? Matt, you know, she's she's never going to say it on camera, but maybe she will. She's pretty, she's pretty uncensored for the most part. Oh yeah. Can you imagine if she's just like, "This has been great, pandemic." I won the pandemic. It's not the best thing to throw out no. there. There's a lot of a lot of people have perished in this thing. It's been. It's been sad. All right. On the way back, we get to uh, John Von Tobel. He'll uh, handle our eye on sports betting as we're uh, getting ready for VGK, uh, VGK hockey tonight. A 7 o'clock puck drop against the St. Louis Blues. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. Cofield and K. 
Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. JBT's up. It's a Monday. Adam Hill is here. It's the D Bar Canada. Normally getting ready for a big Golden Knights game. Yes, we've got one tonight with the Blues, but also a lot of college basketball. John Adam is starting to freak out. Although Michigan has cut down the lead, three minutes left in the first. LSU leads forty to thirty-eight. All right, there's plenty of time. Plenty of time, Adam. It's okay. Just focus on the show. Don't get distracted. Be a professional. Do you have a college basketball team? Uh, wait. Do I have any college basketball teams? Like, do you have a team that you really care about? Uh, I mean, I guess UNLV would fall under that category a little bit. Like, I mean, they used to a lot more before I became like a jaded member of the sports media. You know, like, uh, I remember their run to the Sweet 16 being in my religion class at Bishop Gorman checking my singular wireless flip phone uh, for updates in their okay. game against, I think it was Georgia Tech, sure. uh, that they ended up leading in that round. So, yeah, I, I was at one point a diehard UNLV running Rebel fan, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Maybe not on the level that Adam is. Adam gets a little maniacal over Michigan, a little bit. No, no, yeah, I, I'm not... Like, I enjoyed the program. You guys know I love basketball. So it's very – I follow them, obviously, a lot and still enjoy when the program does well, but not to the level that Adam. Our offense is picking it up. So hour? A little happy. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, that's the big indicator right there. I would never say hour. Wow. You should. You should start doing that. Look at him. Looking down on you. Immediately. Looking looking down on you. Uh, John, Oregon is in the Sweet 16. They only had to win once. That's crazy. Right. And you could have got a great number on that. Right, I was actually, I was tweet, I tweeted this out the other day, and I was talking with a couple of people about this, and obviously you can't predict uh, anything at all, right, when it comes to COVID and who's going to get it and who's not, uh, but Oregon closed in the range of like plus 250 uh, to make it to the Sweet 16, an implied probability of 28.6%, and of course, I mean, he did win two games to get there, but the COVID issues, all that, you only had to win one, and they ended up getting the big one and over Iowa, like, it was the greatest value bet that nobody ever could have seen coming, because they just got lucky, but... Look, it depends on a lot of the books where you shop, and you know you learn a lot of lessons with uh, you know, store rules and how other shops are going to handle these sort of things. But as I saw, for the most part, almost every single operator, futures were still live, and uh, you know all of the games. Obviously, game bets were refunds, but after that, uh, futures were auctioned. Whether it came to championship games and everything of the like, so obviously your VCU ticket, if you had a futures, it's dead. But plus two fifty, plus two forty for Oregon. To make it to the Sweet 16, you only needed one win, and you got it today. So one of the greatest, one of the greatest bets, I guess, maybe ever that you've ever made. If you had an Oregon plus 250 ticket to make the Sweet 16, how has the tournament gone for you in general? So it's actually gone relatively well, Adam, um, because when I'm like, in, like you guys know, I haven't watched a lot of college hoops, but there's been little teams here and there that I've watched relatively closely just because they happen to be on. You know, I played Loyola Chicago plus the points against Illinois, and that matchup was on UCSB. Uh, taking the points against Creighton uh, the day that we were on the air on Friday, uh, got on Oklahoma State on the closing number, and I saw some futures that are still alive as well. And this is, I think, it's pretty interesting, Stephen. You got me onto the one uh, that I think has the best value at this point right now. Well, actually, it does. Uh, but Villanova, you know, Steve, you and I were together that Friday, right before Selection Sunday, when we're talking about the, you know, the market being really down on Nova. Got them at sixty-five to one, and now they're twenty to one to win the whole thing. And I got UCLA right now at seventy-five to one. So. I'm actually doing pretty good. You know, I haven't bet a lot, so I, I think that's why I'm doing so relatively well at the picking and choosing my spots. But it's gone well so far. You think Villanova has a shot to actually do it? Well, I don't know if they have a shot to do it, and they obviously have a very big matchup next weekend. Uh, but there's worse spots to be in, right, than having a 65-1 to ticket on a team that's now 20-1 to and 
uh, you know, I can find my way off of that, get a little bit more as the rounds go on. I would say watching this team, uh, they do have issues defensively, especially along the perimeter. Baylor's a pretty good uh, offensive team in terms of shooting the ball. I think they're third in 10 palms offensive efficiency rankings right now. So I think, rightfully so, they're, I think you're going to be an underdog against Baylor and they're going to have a tough matchup there. But they shoot the ball really well. And if you look at some of the conference numbers for Baylor, you know, their three-point defense got a little bit worse statistically once they started playing Big 12 teams. And I wonder if that's going to be something they could exploit. You know, when you, and I know it's a lesser opponent for the most part, but when you have an offensive rating of 140 like they did in their last game, you know, Villanova can do some damage, and it's a team that is led by a guy who's been there and done it before. Adam, on this hedge game, first and second round is a little early to play, isn't it? If you've got, you know, I've got Kansas at 45-1. to 1. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, did have, I did have Virginia, so I got the Ohio game. I played it, so I got Ohio money line, you know, with the insurance of Virginia being like whatever they were, 45-1 to 1 that I got. They were 65-1 to 1 at other spots. Well, and that's where it is. You really have to start playing your hedge game in the Sweet 16? Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, that's when you start doing it. That's when you – what you're doing is basically making those picks, hoping a team gets to the Sweet 16, and then you can start to profit off of it. But at the same time – if you make the bet early. Yeah. I mean, like in that case, you yeah. bet against them in the first round yeah, I and, and you profit that quickly, then you make out very well. So, uh, yeah, I think Sweet 16 is about where you start, but you, you never know when you're going to have to start doing it and when you could really make a profit off of it. What are you guys What are you guys looking at tonight for USC and Kansas? That's the last game of the night. It's a 640 start. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe, but uh, USC, as much as they were dissed at the end of the year, are actually going into this game as a favorite as a six over a three. John, you got anything on this one? No, so I, I didn't, Steve. I will say that when I was going through uh, and looking at some of the teams, and I did fill out one bracket, the one team that I liked to potentially make a run uh, was USC. I, I, I think defensively, uh, they are a relatively solid team. You know, I like what they provide on that end of the floor. And I think it turns like, for me at least, when I'm evaluating a lot of these teams when it comes to March Madness, especially when I watch a lot closer in the past, uh, it was teams that were either led by an extremely good guard play or, or really solid defensively. And, and I think USC at least checks the box, at least when it comes to that defense. So I, in terms of laying it, you know, I would be a little hesitant to do so. I think right now, what, they're like a one right and a one-point favorite over Kansas, total 135. Uh, but I did project you, uh, USC to go to at least the Elite Eight. I thought they had a relatively solid path to the defense that could potentially carry them. I'm, I'm starting to – I mean, I, I have them in the Final Four, which was ridiculous, but I needed somebody to try to beat Gonzaga. And I felt like USC had that kind of mix of just talent and, and the ability to get hot at times uh, to watch. And the Pac-12 has just been really good, John. Like, yeah. is, is this a lesson to take going forward, or is this an isolated spot where just the Pac-12 is really good this year? You know, Adam, I don't know if it's like – so maybe it's not so much specifically like focus on the Pac-12, right? But Or is it more like, hey, at times we tend to overvalue conferences, right? For example, and this has been the example now for a couple of years, is the Big Ten when they, you know, don't really want to go out of conference too much. And there were some teams that did, right? I think it was Wisconsin, right? They played Loyola, Chicago, uh, Iowa, played Gonzaga. There were some non-conference games. But, like, every year we get infatuated with the Big Ten just cannibalizing itself and thinking it's one of the deeper conferences, and then we get the results that we do in the NCAA tournament. And I think that's kind of the lesson, right? I don't know if it's, like, the Pac-12, and maybe the Pac-12 is a lot better than we really thought they could be because we're seeing the results. But it's like we get wrapped up in a lot of these numbers and a lot of what we see from these teams. And I wonder if how you evaluate it from a statistical standpoint, right? Like uh, Illinois and uh, these other teams being at the top of all these ten palm numbers in terms of efficiency – how you balance that when you realize that they're just playing one another and what that means in the big picture. And I, I think that's kind of my takeaway is, you know, when we talk about these conferences, especially when it comes to the Big Ten, 
you got to be careful when they're so ingrained with just playing one another because it doesn't give you the full picture of how strong they really are. The uh, the NBA had its share of madness this weekend. Come on, with the injuries. It's insane. The potential rookie of the year, potential MVP, both get hurt. Uh, LaMelo looks like he's out for the year. LeBron, an extended period of time. What does this do for the futures market in terms of the awards? So you either you either read my notes this morning or I'm not that creative because that's exactly what my lead was. The, <laughs> the NBA <laughs> uh, But no, you're right. So like LeBron goes down, second MVP candidate a week to go down. Now Nikola Jokic. How about this? Jokic is the odds-on favorite in a couple of shots uh, to win uh, MVP. Westgate was the one that opened him the highest at plus 150. Or I should say the lowest. Like I guess I get my terminology mixed up. But Jokic is plus 150 over at the Westgate. The rest of them have him about minus 110, minus 120 depending on where you look. And then you get the Rookie of the Year. I, I'm more interested in Rookie of the Year after all of this. LaMelo, guys, was as high as minus 715 to win the award. And now Anthony Edwards is as high as minus 210. If you look at, like, the numbers for Anthony Edwards in his first 32 games, we're talking about a guy who was shooting 14, or excuse me, was scoring 14 points per game, shooting 35% from the floor. And 10 days ago, one global book had him at 18-1. to 1 to win Rookie wow. of the Year. And now he's over $2 to win it? To me, it opens the door for a lot, including like Lamelo Ball, I think, can still win it. We can go back over the years, right? Embiid didn't win it that year because he didn't play enough just last year, Zion Williamson. But we're talking about guys who played like 30 and like 35% of their games. Lamelo has played just over 50% of these teams' games at this point right now. I think he's got a large enough sample size to win it, but it wouldn't behoove you to bet it right now. I think you just sit back and you wait, right? You just wait until the end of the season, and then you get on the last day. His odds are only going to get worse. And at that point, I think you jump in because I think there's really good value on the mellow once we get there. Did you have a problem with D'Angelo Russell saying that Anthony Edwards should win the Rookie of the Year so soon after uh, yeah. after the injury? <laughs> I mean, like, again, like, Edwards has been a really solid player. Like, if you look at his last 10 games, right, he's averaging 24.9 points, 41% shooting. He's been solid. But, like, it just it completely ignores – the entirety of the season. You know what I mean? And when you look at it, like, just remember two years ago when Doncic and Trey Young were going at it for rookie of the year? For the most part, it was just Doncic all year long. And then Trey Young had, like, this solid month. And everybody was like, Trey Young, he's going to steal it. Like, no, it's, it's rookie of the year. It was the same thing with Zion Williamson last year. This should be a, a, a whole sample size deal, not just, hey, Anthony Edwards has 10 games where he's really hot. Let's make him $2 favorite. I just don't think that's the case. And it also ignores, by the way, Tyree Halliburton for Sacramento, who's been awesome all year long. Emmanuel Quickly, who's been fantastic for the New York Knicks. Sadiq Bay, my boy, for the Detroit Ravens, Detroit Pistons. Like, it just ignores a lot of these other guys who have done it consistently, unlike Edwards. John, good spot. What do you got cooking this week? You, you filling in at all? When are we going to hear you on VSIM? Come on, let's go. Uh, so, Thursday night, I'm actually going to be in on the nightcap uh, nice. with Tim Murray from 7 to 10. Uh, and then the week after that, I will be in on the Lombardi line. That'll be from 9 to 11, for all those who are wondering, with Michael Lombardi. And then the week after the Masters, I get to fill in for a full week for Matt Humans. I think. That's what Matt Humans told me. Hello. All right, John. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. John Von Tobel, VSIN, at me, JBT, NBA expert, dabbles in everything else. As he was joking last week, he's pretty good on the NFL, too. He had, he had a good NFL season. Yeah. Don't push him out just because he's uh, concentrating on the NBA. We got uh, Creighton, five minutes left, about to uh, cinch this thing unless they blow it big time. They're up 16 over Ohio. It's 43-42, Michigan up on LSU at the half, and they just tipped with Colorado and Florida State. That's a 4-5 matchup tied at 9.
Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.